From Rivers Barden Architects, this is Spork in the Road, a podcast featuring conversations with creative individuals about their path, craft, and passions. In this episode, our resident architect Joe Rivers interviews our other resident architect, Kevin Barden, from Minnetonka, Minnesota. It's okay if things don't work out. Right. Like, life moves on and you need to be aware of all the other great things that are happening and all the great things that are potentially about to happen. The great things that couldn't happen if life went the way you thought it should. Yeah. Kevin and Joe first met as fellow apprentices at the Frank Lloyd Wright School of Architecture over a decade ago. Since then, Kevin's journey in architecture has taken him many places, including Coor, Switzerland, where he studied and worked for two and a half years, and Houston, Texas, where Rivers Barden Architects laid its roots. Joe sat down with Kevin to discuss his beginnings in architecture, his influences, and his mantra for living a fulfilled life. Here's Joe, followed by Kevin. So, Kevin, we've had some fun talking to a lot of great people about who they are and what they do and, and what they're passionate about. And it thought it'd be fun to interview someone I think is extremely uh, creative and inspirational and uh, passionate, and that would be you. Well, that's very flattering, Joe. So, I guess, first of all, why architecture? Well, I've always been passionate about it. Uh, it's tough to say why you do things at a young age, just because you seem to do them. I mean, I think as a lot of tykes out there, everybody has some blocks and they start building stuff and wouldn't be cool if we stack this block on top of this shorter block and let your mind run crazy. What was your go-to block? Was it? There was actually a, a, a set of blocks that my grandparents had that were, I think, I don't know if my dad had them when he was a kid or something, but whenever we go over there, I'd get to play with these blocks, nice. which we didn't have at home, so it was a real treat. I mean, and then there's also Lincoln Logs and Legos and Kinects and... All the other fun yeah, little ones. That yeah, you can get your hands on. And, uh, and then at a certain, part, you start, at a certain point, you start drawing your own floor plans and, you know, dream houses with go-kart tracks and... Well, of course. Airplane landing pads in the middle of those, and, uh, you know, sky's the limit, right? But I think uh, at an early age, I really wanted to be an architect, to the point where I even had my first job interview when I was 14. Really? To, uh, 14? Yeah, 14 years old. Literally, my, my life in high school was music and architecture, and I took an architecture class all four years of high school, and I'd get there at least an hour, an hour and a half early every day, just working on stuff. I was just so excited about everything. Got a, got a graphic standards for my 16th birthday. Well, uh, that's what every boy wants for yeah. his 16th birthday. And I would literally haul that every day to, to high school <laughs> and back. Yeah, we still have it. Actually, it's in the office, Joe. Yeah, it's the one we still reference. It's a great book. Great book. It's a heavy book, heavier than it, probably any other textbook in high school. Yeah. At some point, it's, um, uh, it's just kind of always been there, and it's always been a passion. 
the more things you're exposed to or the, the, the deeper you get into the profession, the passion increases every day. It's like, it's, I'm still passionate because I want to build cool stuff or I want to, you know, build nice things, design nice things uh, for somewhat the same reasons as I did when I was 14 or 15 or 16, but now it's developed into a point where uh, it's much more about architecture as a vehicle toward improving the lives of others. You've had a lot of different life experiences. What Can you think of one or two of like these key moments when you started to recognize the evolution in that passion or just some, some kind of key moments, like aha moments of like, you know, I, I didn't know that this is what it could be type things. Yeah. Um, probably the foremost would be my folks, my parents. Um, I think that was recognizing their uh, passion to find ways to help my passion grow in turn was a was kind of a flashpoint for hey the things that I do can help the passion of others grow as well that happened pretty early on uh, that has never never really wavered there's different points where that has developed over time but um, that was definitely a big flashpoint. Exposure at Taliesin West and Taliesin, Wisconsin, for uh, the Frank Lloyd Wright School of Architecture, was a huge exposure. Was a tremendous flashpoint. What what part of that? What is a? I mean, that was a pretty dynamic time. Was it just the buildings? Was it the people? Was it uh, the education? A lot of it was the buildings and the environment and the landscape. There were so many new things, and the way that they all sang in harmony with each other was is incredible. Uh, the potential for architecture to do that is so mind-blowing in those environments, uh, especially when you live in it. And also the, the, the people. I mean, and that goes for friends, relationships that were made, um, but also teachers, there was a, a number of mentors and it's also, I feel like there's just so much growth that happens right after high school of being open to the world and being, uh, exposed to new things and new ideas and new ways of looking at the world that I think a lot of people have, my impression is that a lot of people have these, uh, moments as well. And, and for me, there was no shortage of that of drawing and reading and uh, designing and, you know, everything that comes with, you know, I guess it was only about two years at that point, but it's really important to develop good habits of what it means, I don't, what I think it means to be passionate about something at a young age, of developing good habits of explore, exploration, of context, of history, of making of what's one of those habits what are one of those things you try to do even to this day um one of them is reading there was a mentor john wyatt who just threw everything and anything that you could possibly read or be exposed to and a lot of it had nothing to do directly with architecture but that's okay because you know now it's a recognition that i'm not really interested i mean i am interested in architecture but it's more for these other reasons of um, 
uh, positive impacts in, in people's lives. He had a great, um, I've been fortunate to live in a lot of different places. And one of the things that he would always express is you have to know, it's important to know the history of the place that you live in, no matter where you are. Because with that comes exposure to all of these layers that are in the place right now and remnants of those filter up to um, today. And that it's also a recognition that you are in the midst of, of, a, of a process. You are in, a, in the midst of a continuum, you know, and you're a part of it now. I mean, also just talking about it now, it's like thinking about every beginning of every town, there's some kind of situation where someone just went for it and they had to risk a lot and they had to make it happen. They had to be resourceful. Find a city that, that's not the case. You know, and it's also like reading about history, it's like the trials and tribulations that we go through here, start in our own office. Yeah, they're tough, but it's like, we're not reinventing the wheel. It's not like we're not, it's just, it's really important to recognize that, you know, the things that we're going through are not like the hardest things ever. And it's not anything that someone hasn't gone through. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, it gives you more... little perspective. Yeah, a little perspective on like, yeah, let's just keep going and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's a whole proactively letting things happen. Right, that's thing. the thing we've talked about a couple of times. Yeah, that's what, really important. What do you mean by that? Proactively not being proactive? Yep. It's really this, uh, this mindset that there's, there's not a whole lot of things that you can control out there. There are some things that you can control, but you can't control everything. And a vast majority of the things you cannot control. Hmm. You have to let it happen. And if you try to not let it happen, you're going to get yourself in a bind. Or you're going to be very disappointed. Or if you try to force the situation. Yeah. If you try to make it happen. Yeah. It first came up when I was 19. It was before I, le- before I left for, to- for Taliesin. Mm-hmm. My freshman roommate in college at university of minnesota yeah go gophers yeah my freshman roommate in college uh reed kennedy who was previously on this oh fantastic conversation absolutely great guy one of the best he had been in a car accident serious car accident it was like over thanksgiving break we were at school he drove down to winona roads are icy this is in minnesota in november he had a jeep and he was cruising down the river road to Winona and uh, took a took a bend in the highway and there was a patch of ice and he slipped on it and he did three uh, tumbles wow. into the median and the whole thing was totaled and he wasn't scratched at all. He had one scratch. Wow. Yeah. After that, we were having a conversation like, freshman roommates do and we got to this point where it was like there are so many things that you cannot control in your life and there are things that you can be proactive about 
you can't if you just were to let everything happen everything would pass you by so you have to be proactive at some point but you have to let things happen at another point and so it's just this kind of mantra of proactively letting things happen that really stuck by pretty much since then and a lot of it is not trying to force things and being open to things as they come along too Hmm. and being proactive about pursuing relationships with with people and with places and with showing up just being places there are so many unbelievable things in the world if you just listen for them like I was just reading this this thing from Columba of, of Zumtor. It was like, if all the things happened, if everything happened that I wanted to have happen, I wouldn't be very happy. And it's like, before I went to Switzerland, I was applying to Princeton, to their master's program. Right. And I went there two falls in a row. I was so interested and applied because that that's what I really wanted. I was like, it's perfect because I can study music and... At that time, I've done this huge study on Bach and the mathematical patterns of Bach and how do they relate to architecture and this great project. And it's like, I can finally study that more in depth because it's this interdisciplinary program and they got a, all these great people, you know, professors there and we can dive into it. And then didn't happen. And it was totally crushed. A couple months later, I got accepted to go to Switzerland on a study abroad program through the University of Minnesota. And one of the first weeks I was there, I was uh, on the bus to a hardware store and had moved, there was nobody else on the bus and I scooted over because this old man had just gotten on the bus. And he actually sat down next to me. This is in Switzerland. He started speaking to me in Swiss German, said, I have no idea what you're saying. Do you speak English? And he and his wife are 79, 80 now. And I was telling one of the mentors that I had in Taliesin, John Wyatt, about this friendship that I have with this uh, elderly man in Switzerland. And we talk about U.S. history and we help each other out with our homework and getting to know uh, Switzerland and all this kind of stuff. And, he, and John said to me in an email, he, was, he said, the things you're learning from this guy and your experience in Switzerland is far, is far greater than anything you'd learn at Princeton. And this is coming from a guy who don't even want to get into his history, but it means a lot coming from that guy. It's like a nutshell example of it's okay if things don't work out. Right. Like life moves on and you need to be aware of all the other great things that are happening and all the great things that are potentially about to happen. The great things that couldn't happen if life went the way you thought it should. Yeah. You need to be open to... Like, it, it's like there's no one else on... It's just a small thing. It's like there's no one else on the bus. You scoot over anyway because you never know. Just open up for life to... Yeah. Things to happen. Like, pursuit of happiness, does, it doesn't begin and end in architecture. The pursuit of happiness is also scooting over for an old man to sit down, and there's literally every other spot in the bus open as well. <laughs> That's also the pursuit of happiness. 
For you, it was. For me, it was, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Kevin, thanks for taking time this afternoon to talk. Thank you, Joe. It's been great to, to really, hear from really you. Nice time. Learn a little bit more about you. Yeah. Look forward to continued working with you. You as well. As always. For more information on Kevin and Joe and to view some of their current work, visit riversbarden.com. A special thanks to our guest Kevin and host Joe, and to everyone listening and enjoying Season 2 of Spork and the Road podcast. This episode was written, produced, edited, narrated, and music by Scott Barden. For more episodes from Season 1 of Spork and the Road, visit riversbarden.com.